Borders Queer Medium. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And uh, we are in person, yet again. Uh, I was excited for you to come to the registration, but uh, you bailed. Well, I mean, <laughs> there was stuff going on, yeah. There was yeah. stuff going on, yeah, no, that's fair. That's a very good reason to... to Leave me hanging out to dry, but that's I sh- fine. I should also give a heads up. Uh, we might both sound a little hungover, and I myself am not hungover. I just slept on Luke's uh, sp- couch. Yeah, yeah, well, spare bed last night, and both his dogs decided to sit on my face the whole night. So Wait, the doors were closed. How did they get down there? Well, in the morning. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but they like you. <laughs> Not when I'm trying to sleep. Okay, well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's kick it off with um, just first of all some Eurovision news. Now, this is funny. I don't know. He might be listening, but uh, two cities uh, in Britain have been narrowed down to host the Eurovision Song Contest in 2023. Manchester and York. Both of those were ruled out. I don't think York applied. Really? Well, Manchester is sort of the music capital of England. Yeah. Birmingham, Leeds, Newcastle, and Sheffield also eliminated from the list of potentials, leaving Glasgow and Liverpool. Okay. Now, I think if it goes to Glasgow, we're going to have, you know, it's, it's going to be the Eurovision movie Take Two. Okay. Because, of course, the Eurovision movie, which was not a real Eurovision, it was a, the, for the movie with uh, Will Ferrell, yeah. um, took place in a fictional Eurovision at Glasgow. I wonder if that was part of their pitch, being like, look, we've literally just done one with Will Ferrell. Um, maybe we can do the actual one. But apparently, the, the logistics, it's being described by the European Broadcast Union as the most complex TV production in the world. Probably, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, because it has, I mean, yeah, so many languages, simul-dubbed, the, yeah. the voting, 10,000 people usually attend, so that's usually a big amount of uh, logistics. And of course, hotels. Yep. yep. You've got to put the delegates somewhere, you've got to put the journalists somewhere, you've got to put the fans somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's very hard to... And not only do you need a giant stadium to to host the thousands of guests, but you also need a nearby empty office building to rent out for a weekend so that you can ram all the infrastructure in there, all the support staff and off-site, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's... Yep, yep, a lot of people involved, yeah. yep. Absolutely. I also find that Eurovision Song Contests are usually some of the best stage design that we've seen. On, like, stage production work. It depends on where. Some years are better than others. But some years you're like, okay, they're pulling out some stops here. Like, this is a real made-for-TV moment. Anyway, this is just us keeping a BDI on Eurovision. But I was amused because Ken, who folks may recognize as, you know, somewhat the voice of CIUT, came to my office and was like, oh, I've just seen this new movie. Because mm-hmm. I know you watch Eurovision. It's a new movie about Eurovision. I was like, oh, my God, there's a new... There's a new movie about Eurovision. No, he meant the Eurovision movie <laughs> with Will Ferrell. What was it? Um, Ring-a-ding-a-ding-dong? Yes. Oh, oh, um, oh, no, it wasn't Ring-a-ding-dong. Oh, you know what? We're going to find that. Don't uh, play we're, it. We're Don't gonna... play it. All right, all right. Well, it was, yeah, no, there was a... If you're familiar with Pass the Duchy on the left-hand side, it's that quality of song that they kept playing throughout the movie. 
Yeah, yeah, ding dong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, ding dong. Yeah, yeah that's it. exactly. Yeah. I, I hate it less Every than past the duchy, but past <laughs> the duchy is also trash. Oh, well, you're going to have some very strong opinions uh, oh, yeah. coming back at you. All right. Well, I watched something that made me cringe a little bit. Um, Disney Plus Canada had commissioned uh, Priyanka, who is the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 1, mm-hmm. uh, to record a small vignette. Okay. Uh, just to promote, uh, you know, the release of Hocus Pocus 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that, it, it was kind of cringe, kind of awkward. Okay. It was giving me... Um, it, it reminded me of, you know, like the early days of the pandemic when people were like awkwardly recording in their houses. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. well, that's, know. that's okay. Pandemic commercials. I'm glad you bring this up because this is a bane on our existence. I, it, it was one of those things where the first couple of months I understood it. I got it. You know, commerce kept turning and that was fine. And it was just some lady in her living room saying like, oh, I just got sent this free box of detergent and I'm going to try out my laundry with it. And it was like clearly recorded with her phone in a horrible echoey room. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is what ads looked like for a year. Yeah. The first year of the pandemic, fine, whatever, you know. And then after that, they're like, well, you know, if you have your masks and everyone has their their shots up to date and then you're doing social distancing and the area is well ventilated, then you can go. But we're st- there are still new pandemic-style advertisements coming out all the time. They look like garbage. Um, and I mentioned this. Just pay for a cameraman. Pay for a cameraman. That's all it takes. I recently... What was I watching? I was watching an old movie, because you can watch old movies on YouTube. Whole two-hour-long movies. And sometimes they have the commercials... That, oh, from from that era. Yeah, that. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you watch an '80s commercial, and it is a full production with singing and dancing and glitz and glam and backup dancers and just to Ooh, sell. That's how directors and producers cut their teeth. Yeah, was like making music videos and commercials. Yeah, and uh, and then I'm looking at these pandemic commercials. And on the one hand, '80s commercials are hot garbage, and I'm glad we're out of that era. You know, you don't need backup dancers to sell. I don't know. Cottonell toilet roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there probably is a dance production commercial for toilet paper, almost definitely. And I'm glad that era's over, but just the, the, this pandemic, oh, pandemic-style commercials are just, they're trash. And I know this has nothing to do particularly Well, I don't know. With I, I, watched, news. Yeah, <laughs> I watched this vignette, and I was like, okay, this is really awkward. But I get it that Disney Plus Canada is trying to create shareable moments on their social media channels to kind of drive more attention to Disney Plus for the release of Hocus Pocus 2. There's only so many times you can tweet out, Hocus Pocus 2 is out. Yeah. You know, you have to be a bit more interesting than just, hey guys, Hocus Pocus 2 is out. Uh, We're not sponsored by Disney, but by the way, folks, Hocus Pocus 2 is out. Okay. Um, Anyway, so Priyanka did this kind of awkward (laughs) vignette. Um, anyway, but a lot of people have been giving her a lot of backlash. Uh, she's been accused of being a groomer, accused of being a pedophile, for doing a vignette promoting a movie. Mm-hmm. That That's it. That's all the, the depth of yeah. their reasoning. Um, my favorite tweet response was uh, somebody replied to... Disney Plus Canada and said, I am cancelling my, prescrip- my subscription. Hmm. To which somebody pointed out, it's not an airport, dear. You don't have to announce your departure. Yes. <laughs> and that's exactly it. If a drag queen doing an awkward vignette on Twitter is enough to make your financial decisions based on service provider, then, you know, that's fine. That's so, it's a low bar. For, I mean, that's also frustrating because, you know, like, 
it's one of those you got to use the word when it counts the most kind of situations because there there are yeah there, there are groomers out there doing horrible things and you need to save it up for when you know it to be true because I remember a while ago people were accusing Ezra Miller of being a groomer mm-hmm. and then it was ve- revealed no no he's not a groomer he runs a sex cult yeah so yeah. <laughs> that was one of those moments where it's like that is when you use that word mm-hmm. that is when you you throw that accusation around and yeah that... drag queens making awkward video vignettes is not that yeah you no, know what yeah. i mean i think it demeans the you know folks who haven't been actually impacted by those crimes you yeah. know what i mean it, yeah. it sort of waters it down and 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 washes it out, and I think that that's that's despicable. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, my only critique would be maybe hire a cameraman. Um, there you know are I mean? cinematic length award winning movies that were recorded on an iPhone, mm-hmm. and the way that you do it is you just make sure that there's no echoes and that the lighting is okay. You, you you don't even need a cameraman. You just need somebody. You're, you're, who, not, you're not even saying a cameraman. Yeah, I'm just saying somebody who knows how to set up a shot. And, and oh. because a, a cameraman is more than just the camera. And in this case, you, you're looking for someone who can do the lighting and the sound as well. Uh, but really, it's just a matter of did did you, after you record it, did you watch what you made before you posted it and thought to yourself, oh, that's a bit echoey. Uh, you know what? That's that's a good that's a good point. All right, we're gonna take a short break, but uh, we'll be back after "I Can't Grow Up" by Tina Sarah. We'll be back just after this. Yo, I hang man. How do I know when it's time to let go? 
and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. That was a new track by Tegan and Sarah. Uh, yes, I think it's, uh, sorry, I've just written it down, what it was called, and then I looked away, and now I fail at my job. I had one job, tell people what we're listening to, and I am not doing a very good job of that job. Is this staying in? Is well, Yeah, no, my, my inability to remember a track for more than five seconds is definitely staying in you. I Can't Grow Up by Tegan and Sarah. Yes. Uh, he says as he frantically searches for his notes <laughs> where, where he wrote that down. <laughs> All right, uh, let's start off talking about frantic, frantically searching. Uh, the, the community members of Moose Jaw Pride have been frantically searching for explanations as to what the heck has happened in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Have you heard about this? Well, I hope it was better than that segue. I hey, no, that was a good segue. I will not. I will not hear otherwise. <laughs> uh, yes, I do know because we talked about what news stories we would cover before we started today. But before we talked about that, I did not know about this thing that happened in Moose Jaw. So tell us more. Yeah. So apparently, the chair of Moose Jaw Pride. Uh, Okay, here's the brass tacks okay. of what's happened. Uh, Moose Jaw Pride has officially been dissolved. Mm -hmm. The members of the organization voted uh, after the board presented them with information saying, quite essentially, uh, not only is our finances in such a mess, and, and I'm not, and I'm, I mean, in, 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 a, they were, they were messy. Yeah, yeah. They were messy. Yeah. And they kept looking under various rugs. And they found over $100,000 in debt. Now, for quite a small organization, um, that is very substantial debt. Yeah. More than they would reasonably be able to uh, to carry on. So they proposed to the membership that they dissolve and uh, go from there. And I think we had the... We had, yeah, they, they, they voted just past the past week. Now, the chair of the board, Cole Ramsey, told the CBC mm -hmm. that during the pandemic, monthly financial reports provided by their executive director were either presented orally or not presented at all, uh, saying that the financials haven't been done by the accountant, you know, the information is still pending, you know, it's, it's coming, it's coming. Mm -hmm. um, this just sounds like... More than anything, it's, it, it seems to be the picture being painted here that it was just bad financial management. It does, and yet. So this, this kind of, if we step back and look at the big picture, okay? Toronto Pride, we, we've done stories about how Toronto Pride is in financial troubles. Ottawa Pride, years ago, went through bankruptcy. Montreal Pride almost did bankruptcy. Uh, there was, I think we did a story on financial issues with, I think it was Halifax Pride or St. John Pride or St. John's Pride or St. Tijana Pride or any of the other St. Plus John communities in the East Coast. It was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's an ongoing thing. And, and so this, this is kind of a principle of design. If you see a door and everybody pushes on it before they realize it's a pull door, stop blaming the people. Uh, and start blaming the door. That there is there's something fundamentally wrong with the design. That everyone thinks it's a push door when they should be pulling. And that's kind of a gross oversimplification. But if prides keep going through this, what is going on? What is the big picture here? And, and a lot of it comes down to prides are not uh, very profit-oriented. A lot of them rely very heavily on grants. And a lot of them, if they do make profit, they turn around and donate it back to the community. 
this is good, <laughs> but it leads to insolvency. Um, I don't know. I think there's just been a change in the mission because back when there were no grants and back when the community was still struggling and poorer, so like Pride in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, I don't think I ever heard of a Pride going through bankruptcy issues. And, and granted, um, they were as profit-driven as they could get away with. You know, I think it's a part of it is certainly not hearing about things, but also, you know, what kind of media reporting would there have been in small prides in the 90s that would have got national attention? You know what I mean? I think there's certainly the money has made all of these organizations larger and more susceptible to fraud and crime because, mm-hmm. you know, when there's money involved, people want to get a hold of it. There was also an issue of modesty, though. If your pride yeah. can only afford fifty thousands, then then you do a forty five thousand dollar pride yeah. with a buffer for just in case. I think everyone was expecting the worst for many many years. Yeah, and that sort of caution bled through. Now it's worth noting that we've talked about Moose Jaw Pride in the past because mm-hmm. of their really innovative approach to diversify revenue. Okay. They launched the Rainbow Retro Thrift Shop, if you recall. And they made the thrift store. I think I do, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's it's year-round, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's an actual business to generate revenues. Um, So apparently um, last last year or in in one of their most recent financial reports, uh, the thrift store made about $12,000, which is pretty good. Okay, yeah. You know, just in, you know, in straight-up profit from a thrift store. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It's essentially free money. Absolutely. Except it never... It never landed in the bank accounts. Oh. Yeah. This is where the plot thickens. So allegedly 12000 was made by the thrift store only to never emerge in the bank accounts. Okay. Now, they didn't find out that anything was afoot until uh, one of the granting bodies said, you guys, where is the report? Yeah. I'm missing a report. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the downfall of uh, Toronto Pride as well. Uh, because it was the granting bodies who usually have some kind of reporting mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, And they tend to ask questions, and they ask questions of everybody listed as a point of contact, Mm -hmm. not just the single person who may or may not be shady. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, the granting body is like, look, there's a a report outstanding, you know, where where is that at? And that Mm -hmm. inspired the board to look a little bit more closely now, they found that there was $90,000 owed in various loans all over the place. Uh, they reported a whole bunch of expenses on a credit card that they had no idea about until uh, just recently. And 3700 owed back to a granting authority. So it's definitely looking a bit risky. Now, I mentioned earlier there was a small organization. Um, so far this year, and where where what are we? We're on we're in October, mm-hmm. effectively. So far this year, they've made about eleven hundred dollars as an organization. Oh, yeah, they have about six grand in the bank, okay. <laughs> give or take, um, and uh, debts of about a hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, it's completely unsustainable. Um, it's worth noting that Moose Jaw Pride have referred the matter to the police, mm-hmm. um, pointing the finger relatively squarely at Taylor Carson, the former executive director. Um, Taylor Carson never replied to a comment to the CBC, and we've been looking to see if there's comments elsewhere, but nothing, uh, nothing yet. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Obviously, nothing is proven until court, uh, you know, in, in front of a court. Um, but yeah, Moose Jaw is, had to legally dissolve their mm-hmm. pride, after massive loans were taken out and unpaid, their accountant was 
fired uh, by the executive director and the board was none the wiser that this happened um so yeah certainly a bit of a bit of a mess up in moose jaw whenever i hear about fraud stories like this i always wonder did they think they wouldn't get caught Although, unfortunately, in the Canadian system, a lot of white-collar crime, they get caught, and the courts kind of don't know what to do about it. They don't make you give the money back half the time. They just sort of say, well done, Mm -hmm. you know, which which is kind of frustrating. Actually, I do remember years ago when, um, who was it, when Harper was running for government, and he kept talking about being tough on crime, and in my brain, I was thinking tough on white-collar crime, identity theft, fraud, and then I was like, no, no, that's not what he means. He means, like, selling weed. But I don't know. There, there's a lot more out there in terms of ruining somebody's life through white collar crime and things like this. You have whole organizations tanking. I mean, are they going to liquidate the the thrift shop in order to pay off the debts? I mean, well, they've had to close it. They, yeah, I mean, they had to close it almost immediately. It was, I think, apparently one of the only warming stations in Moose Jaw. Oh. Like they served a lot of community roles. They had a bursary to help young trans folks. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. It was. It was. It's been. It's been definitely a bit of a mess. Um. Just you know, the board uh, chair also told uh, CGME a bit more details. Uh, essentially saying they discovered in August 2022, so this past August, that they had no accountant since 2020. Now, I've been struggling with uh, with my bookkeeping for just four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is shocking uh, how important a role it is to have effective financial management. Oh, yes. So to go... Almost two years with no accountant or bookkeeping. I mean, it's pretty shocking. Especially if you're a charity or a not-for-profit, because the books are way more complicated there. It's not like your checkbook. It's not just cash in, cash out. There's there's other stuff going on when you're an NGO or a not, or a not-for-profit or a charity. Like it's it's nasty business running those books. I wouldn't want to do it. Actually, I've known accountants who refuse to do it because it's just too complicated. They they're like, you need to specialize. I'm not specialized. I'm not going to touch that. It's pretty common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's worth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a mess. I mean, the loans are the CEBA loan, which I think it was the Canadian Emergency um, Loan, the one of the government COVID loans that came out. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the other one is from uh, Connexus Quick Loan. I think they're also owed a substantial uh, amount of money. But yeah, it's just pretty shocking to be honest that uh, that this has has gone down so so dramatically yeah. <laughs> in in Moose Jaw. Yeah. The only thing that shocks me is they actually were willing to point the finger because in the, many of the other bankruptcies it was sort of uh, everyone's, you know, the, the, the Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing at each other uh, and it, it's rare for everyone to just like, either we don't know the inside scoop, we don't know if they're scapegoating or if they're actually genuinely as good evidence that it is yeah. this one person, but it's rare to see people say it looks like it was that one person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, that's a little bit shocking to me, but we'll see how it plan, pans out. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep an eye on the story. Well, we're unlikely, though, to hear much else as they voted to uh, dissolve um, effectively. Now, of course, they won't be able to really dissolve until uh, their outstanding debts are, are managed in, in some way. So that will take a little bit uh, of doing for that to happen. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll just have to see what happens it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving moving on. There was a recent study 
um, looking into the monkeypox vaccine. And they found that individuals who did not receive the monkeypox vaccine were about 14 times more likely to be infected with monkeypox uh, than those who are vaccinated. Okay. So now, I mean, this is only noteworthy in that there was very little to no... Uh, not evidence, but you know there was no, there was hardly any studies on it. Mm-hmm. You know, monkeypox spread so quickly, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Okay, we have a vaccine," um, and it was a scramble to get uh, you know shots in arms for for the gay community. But yeah, fourteen times. I mean, that's a pretty substantial margin. Yeah. So you know, certainly worth it for uh, for the LGBT community. Does it say anything about uh, even when people did get it, whether or not they had reduced symptoms? No. Okay. I don't think so. Or it doesn't say so. It doesn't say that it didn't. But yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. At least not from what I saw. Okay. All right. Well, we are going to move on. So there was a story in the States, which was a bit of a weird non-story, in that there was a guy who posted on Facebook saying that this is bull. You can imagine the rest. Uh, that my kids have to see this at school. All the exclamation points. Mm-hmm. Kids identifying as furries. I'm so peeved off and sick and tired of this bull. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, the Roseburg Public School System in, uh, I think it's uh, Oregon, have had to officially announce that they don't have kids dressed up as furries okay. in their school system. And they also checked with every other school system mm-hmm. in the entire area. And nobody has had any kids ever... Dress up as furries and attend school. Well, furries don't always wear their fursuits, though. You can identify as a furry and only show up... Uh, sometimes they'll just wear, like, little fox ears or something, or just put a tail in their pants. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it is peculiar. I mean, yeah. it, the story may have come out from a kid saying they had a classmate who was a furry, even if they never showed up at school. Uh... Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently the superintendent of the school that's actually impacted said uh, there's a great quote here talking about really encouraging parents to follow the appropriate steps, contact the actual school. Uh-huh. And he goes on to say spreading misinformation on the Internet and social media has led to threats against children, hmm. which is unacceptable and not an effective way to resolve issues, including issues that you have entirely made up and tweeted out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that uh, that knee-jerk reaction that we're seeing all over the place yeah. uh, to the point that the school board has had to confirm that there are no furries. And it's just, it's a rumor that is malicious in that it is causing so much uh, of this backlash uh, in the area. So, yeah, just. But yeah, calling your school, speaking to the front desk. Hey, is this true? And they say no. And you say, oh, okay, well, I heard that this is true. So you should probably do something about getting on that. And then they figure it out. And then you go eat a hamburger. Yeah, yeah. I or, like to go eat a hamburger a bit. Uh, or an ice cream sandwich. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Okay, we have also been keeping an eye on, we do like a plan. Yes, we do like a plan. We do like a plan. Yes. So the uh, government of 
Iceland have announced its LGBTQ plan. Mm -hmm. Now, we took a look at the Canadian federal LGBT plan recently. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were rather impressed. But I do wonder how Iceland compares. So they have, first off, 40 million uh, in the budget to support ministries projects. We had 42 million, didn't we? I think we had, it was certainly a decent amount. Yeah. Um, there should be efforts made to move Iceland into one of the top spots in the ILGA rain Europe rainbow map. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they're just looking at these international best places to live mm -hmm. rankings, being like, we should just be in the top. Yeah. I imagine they're already pretty close on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually wondering. And th I think there's... 250,000... No, there's a, there's a million people in Reykjavik alone. And then the rest of the country put together... It's like 1.2 million or something like that? It's not that much. I know there's fewer people in Iceland than there are in Toronto. When I say Toronto, I don't mean the Toronto area. I mean, like, proper metropolitan, the city of Toronto. Um, it, it's not very populated. and uh, Which makes it a very easy country to be mobile. Mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned this before, that, like... Iceland and New Zealand, they, they have some interesting wacky laws and they do things like, uh, you know, send their bankers to jail in 2008 when uh, the economy collapsed because of their bad decisions. Uh, but when you're a tiny country, you have the ability to mobilize quickly because you just basically have to call your neighbors in the room and then there's a quarter of the government right there. Um, so yeah, it is, it is weird that they would not be able to to work that out well according to the the map they have 54 percent it's on a percentage index okay. now for reference here britain is at 64 france is at 57 belgium 74 mm -hmm. very good for belgium uh norway 67 sweden 65 um malta 94 malta 94 oh. it's like a it's like a league above everybody else um, but yeah, so Iceland is coming in around the same place as Ireland and Germany and France. So, you know, it's doing all right, but it's, you know, maybe not as high up or as improved as uh, they would like. How's Monaco? Because Malta's another tiny place. Malta, Isle of Man, Monaco. There, there's a few tiny... Monaco, 11. Just one above Russia. 11%? Yeah. Holy shnikes. Yeah, shnikes indeed. Come on, Monaco, pick it up. I know. It's, it's yeah, Italy Figure was at 22. Out. Figure it out. Yeah, that's the news of the day. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look. Um, they So, I mean, I think it's, they also want to look after some elders. They're looking at people outside of the capital area. Mm -hmm. Um, training LGBT issues for managers in the government, training on LGBT issues for the police. A lot of this Canada already does, okay. which I think is great. Yeah, we've already, you know, yeah, we figured out a lot of these things. Sport, they do seem, you know what I like about this? And you are going to appreciate this in a the plan. They assign a time frame, somebody responsible for it, Ooh. a cost estimate, and tie it to which of the development goals that the UN it applies to. Okay. It's, it's a very nice plan. If you like plans, uh, it's the place to be. Having that single point of contact is great because so many plans fall apart. Single point of responsibility as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because in the end, a lot of plans that fall apart, it just turns into, well, I thought you were in control of that. I thought you were the one who was... You don't get any of that. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention before we jump to our next track is uh, thousands of people have been marching in the city of Hanoi in the first full-scale Pride event that has happened since the pandemic. Now, this is quite notable. Uh, Vietnam is a uh, communist state. Uh, I think the British ambassador went and did uh, did some speaking there and a few other, I think, politicians. Uh, the ambassador from Canada attended the mm -hmm. event, um, as well as uh, a few others. I think they ended up at the British Embassy, I think, because they were one of the big sponsors of it. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's great to see uh, this sort of mobilization in Hanoi. I've been to Hanoi, mm -hmm. and thousands of people on the street is a Tuesday. So, I mean, it's, there is a lot of people in Hanoi. Like, that's... If you were to count people, you... you yes, it would... I don't know how out of place it would look, but it, uh -huh, it would yeah. be a very brightly colored contingent of crowd moving through a crowd. But that's still Hanoi. That would still be, yes, yeah. Yeah, they're not afraid of wearing color. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, because one of the things I was talking to Jake about was, oh, Jake is Vietnamese, from Hanoi. And your partner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I was talking to him about was that sometimes in countries, a push for rights, especially sponsored by Western embassies, mm. It usually triggers uh, a scapegoating by the government if they're looking to repress or a backlash. Uh, or a backlash. Yeah, it's really hard to say. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of you know figuring out things indigenous to the yep. way life works in those towns and cities, yep. as opposed to you know bringing something in from the outside. Yeah, because then you could just say it's uh, Western neo-colonialism. Exactly, yeah. and it's easier to demonize if it's sponsored by the British Embassy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but weirdly, I don't believe Britain has colonized Vietnam. Yeah, no, Vietnam it was has no France. particular history. Yeah, it was, it was France. Also yeah. China. Um, Vietnam was a former colony of China. And Burma or Laos or something? Vietnam has a long history of being conquered by its neighbors. Like, this is the first time Vietnam has been independent in a long time. So... They're, 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 they are at the Poland of Southeast Asia. Um, but yeah, no, they, they have no particular history with England. Yeah. What I think the, the one of the interesting things is the British ambassador to Vietnam is a gay man. Okay. With a husband who lives, I believe, with him. Okay. Um, yeah. So it kind of makes sense that they stepped up more publicly on it but right. we'll see all right Good job. pride evolving around the world is what we like to see we'll be back just after this
Hello and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. And you have the next story in our queer news roundup. What is on the agenda? Well, it's... It's the kind of thing that could be controversial. We'll see how it pans out. It, it could be something that we go harumph, I disapprove, or, oh, that's nice. Uh, it, it's all in the execution on this one. So the Upper Grand District School Board, which is basically the Guelph area, uh, Guelph, Ontario, uh, they are going to be doing a census of their students uh, just to get an idea of the diversity, mm-hmm. uh, home language, ethnic identity, that kind of thing, uh, from kindergarten up until the last year of high school. Uh, and one of the things they're asking on there is from grade seven and up, uh, they're asking about sexual orientation and gender identity. And there is a little bit of controversy around this because it is not anonymous. You are expected to put your, your actual name on this, on this, uh, survey, but it will be confidential. So only certain teachers will be able to see the results and collect the data. And there are, there are a few concerns that I've seen here and there about the nature of the survey of asking this kind of information for people as young as 12. Yeah, exactly. Um, and how appropriate is it for teachers to know everyone's sexual orientation? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the other thing is uh, I remember being a teenage boy and uh, even as uh, a now openly gay man, I could see myself... Uh, answering that survey that my sexual orientation is Batman doesn't feel like it's any of my teacher's business. But the thing is that they are saying that they're doing this so that they can get a better idea of how to provide quality programming, quality education to the community. How should they adjust things, orient things? This is the kind of thing that you want from a census. You know, the, the Canadian General Social Survey asks these kinds of questions, uh, but they're also anonymized. Yeah. So that, well, partly because... I mean, let's get me clear. I'm going to jump in here okay. just for a second. The sample size of the Canadian General Social Survey and the sample size of the Guelph District School Board yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are two very, very different sample sizes. The Upper Grand School Board. <laughs> and the Upper Grand, yeah. I mean, still. I mean, yeah. my point stands yeah, yeah, that yeah. one of them has a lot more data to anonymize yes. with than yes. the other. Yeah. So there are certain things like... Uh, home language and mm-hmm. preferred language that can yeah. deeply affect uh, education. There's things you could do for like extracurricular after-school activities about whether or not you have like a French club or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of the schools that I went to had an after-school Hebrew club mm-hmm. because there were that many Jews that went to my school that it made sense to, to yeah. do that kind yeah. of thing. Absolutely, but this kind of a, a census may not be the right approach. That's why, like, I started the story by saying this could go either way. This could be very positive or very... You know, I always... When, when you're doing a, a survey or question, I always have to ask, you know, what is the purpose of each and every question? Mm-hmm. Is each and every question absolutely necessary yeah. to achieve what you're looking to achieve? Yep. So what is it that is absolutely necessary about asking yeah. children's sexual orientations? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I just, I don't know how they would make that a, a valid question to include. Well, you could be saying, you know, maybe there there's quite a few of them, so we need to have more diversity-based education, more, put more lesson plans about accepting your classmates or something. But if there's one or if there's 500, uh, you would do it either way. Mm-hmm. So it's a non-zero number, and we can all just assume there's a non-zero number. Um, so there is that question of like, what does getting the exact number 
yeah. they win you. If there is a good case to be made that they are they can be better educators mm. with this inspiration compared to without it, mm -hmm. then the main next question is, is it absolutely necessary for you to know each and every single gay kid? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why can it not be anonymized? Well, when you're... Yeah, well, absolutely, I definitely think it should be anonymized because you get more honest data quite often. Yeah. Um, but even beyond that, so the one of the reasons why you ask a sensei... Uh, sensei... <laughs> <laughs> what, what, why are we, what's the reason why we ask a sensei? One of the reasons why you do a census is you can step back and start doing metastats. So exactly. not just how many LGBT students are there, but specifically how many students identify as gay and are also identifying as male and are also from low-income households. Yeah. So now you can start doing cross-stats uh, across the things, seeing like how many people are this and also this. You can start doing all these little associations and then you can do your stats and then you can get your chi-squared and your your r values and all that kind of stuff and just all the pies yeah just all the pies well that's that's trig yeah so yeah. essentially they want to do a survey they want to make everyone have to uh, you know put their name to all of their answers you can choose to not answer any field on the thing they made that very clear that you, you can choose to not answer, which is true anyway. You can choose yeah. to not answer anything. But yeah, they, they made it very clear that, that any student who is uncomfortable answering something can just leave it blank. But people feel uncomfortable leaving things blank. Like, they, they yeah. feel pressured that they have to answer. So, I mean, it's... It's, it's weird and complicated. It seems like a nice idea, but perhaps not very well executed. Yeah. And we are big fans of surveys and data. Oh, like, yeah. You know, we are, we are, you know. But you got to make sure you do the it right. cheerleaders yeah. of surveys and data. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, into some other interesting-ish news. The Lafayette Parish is where this went down. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me get that right. Uh, but it was in Louisiana. Um, essentially, a man has been, has pled guilty to kidnapping a gay teen that he met on Grindr. Um, but the man had intended on a murder and dismemberment of that, uh, of that teen. I bring this up because, you know, everyone is there, uh, you know, watching Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, mm -hmm. we, we talked last week about other real LGBT serial killers. Oh, yeah. And there was a guy in uh, Luca Magn Magnolia, Luca Magneta in uh, Montreal. Okay. But I just wanted to just remind folks of, you know, the importance of just basic safety. Like, yeah. this is yet another deranged man who wanted to do the worst of things. Yeah. It's really interesting, the fallout from the Netflix scandal of whether or not they should tag the the Dahmer biopic as being LGBT or not, there's been an increase in the number of people in so social media saying, oh my God, I didn't realize that Grindr was that dangerous. Now, obviously, this Dahmer predates the internet. Yeah. People are starting to wake up to the fact that, you know, there is such a thing as risky behavior and you may need to, uh, you know, let somebody know where you're going or be a little bit less risky or meet somebody in public first or just like very very easy things you can do to protect yourself even just a little bit and we're not saying that every guy in Grimer is Jeffrey Dahmer no. <laughs> no, 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 no 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 absolutely not you know and I think that we don't want to be terrified or scared of, of you know leaving our own homes yeah but you know it's important to take your safety seriously yeah you know so yeah. that if you have gone missing for a few hours then people clue in yeah the FBI apparently found the victim uh, in the bathtub uh, where the attempted murder had taken place 
uh, he was in a coma for three weeks uh, after they found him. Ooh. So yeah, um, survived thankfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the 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 guy that they caught that has pl- pled guilty said that he was going to keep going until he was caught. It's good that this gentleman didn't pass, mm-hmm. that he survived it, and Ooh. it's also incredibly good that this killer or would be killer. Uh, was caught on the first victim. Yeah, that's a that's that's sort of a testament to the the uh, how police forces have changed quite a bit. W- would they have cared twenty years? Would ago? they have looked at Grinder? Yeah, five years ago. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just about out of time now. I have spent more time looking over this article than I should reasonably confess to. On a broadcast radio show. Does it have a picture of a hunky guy at the top? It does actually have a picture of a hunky guy on the top. Uh, It is really cute. So there is a great article by Graham Grimoire on gay cities called 30 Things Every Gay Man Must Do in Their 30s. Now, not that long ago. Well, I turned 30, like, at the start of the pandemic. So the whole pandemic area... You know, everyone's like, what year are me? How old am I? Mm -hmm. How long was a thing? It's like a pandemic smudge. Like, that whole three-year period is a smudge. Well, I I turned 43 a couple days ago. You did, yes. My birthday was very recent. And I'm going to have to... And I I told this to my brother and my mother, and uh, I had mixed reactions. My brother didn't get it. My mother did. I said, I don't like being 43, because it's a prime number. I also don't get it. Yeah, my mom was like, no, that, that... I get that. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird being a prime number. Uh, and my brother was like, yeah, I don't get it. I think I'm 32. I think I'm at 32. You should probably pin I might that be, down. I might be 31. <laughs> Seems like the kind of information you ought to know. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to just leave it ambiguous because I can never remember. So I, I know fine. that once you're not a child anymore, you should probably obsess less about your birthday. Yeah, 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 age, yeah, yeah. But like, you should still pin that down and get yeah, it done. And have a good... I'm not going to lie. Someone asked me how old I was and I Googled, how old am I? Uh-huh. Um, and then the top result is a website. I mean, I, I sound like... What did the like internet tell almost... you your age was? Well, you, know, you type in your birth date and I know my birth date and it tells you how old you are after you put the birth why did you ask Google and not your mother? You I'm not going to confess to my mother I forget how old I am. <laughs> I'm going to confess to all of our listeners I forget how old I am. Oh <laughs> Let's be honest here. It's different when it's in, into a microphone. It's right, fine. So what does this What does this? Oh, these say? things. I, some of these are a bit like, hmm, and some of them are interesting. Make friends with someone you haven't slept with, I think. That definitely is good advice for gay men. I think a lot of, in the early years, you build so much of your queer identity around, or at least of our generation, build your queer identity around, you know, who your intimate partners are. But having non-sexual friendships, I think, are very important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Famously, we are, you know, we met in in a hot tub. I'm just kidding. There was no hot tub involved. There's no way I would get into one of those bacteria factories. Good no, that's Lord. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Then, I'm not a hypochondriac, but I'm no, no. never getting into one of those. You wouldn't get into one of those. So you've come that. out of your 30s. What would you recommend to our, our slightly younger listeners that they should that they should do in their 30s? Oh, I mean, gay men famously disappear in their 30s. In their 20s, yes. they're very active. In their 40s, they're very active. And if you're a 30-year-old who wants to date another 30-year-old, you cannot find them. It's true. A lot of... a lot of uh, Well, this is more so gay men. I've met a lot of... 
I can comment a little bit more about lesbians as well, because there have been a lot of lesbians who go through this. The other identities in the rainbow uh, I, I know a little bit less about, just because they're a little bit more scattered. Like, mm-hmm. most of the community is gay men and lesbian women, because there's just numerically more of us. But anyway, a lot of, a lot of people focus on their career. Some of them will focus on their health. Some will, will focus on uh, just their private social life. Um, and not really get out very often. Yeah. I definitely did that. In my 20s, I was Mr. Gay. Yeah. Like, I was on the Pride Committee. Yeah. I was queer media. Mm-hmm. I was, it was gay, 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 gay. Yeah. Um, but now I'm like, I would like a cup of tea and a lie down. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I've gone from 20 to 55, 60. I think I've just skipped a whole bunch. My back hurts. I mean, it's going to be going to be a whole thing last time when i left here you made sure that you showed me the new chrysanthemums that you had planted in the front garden i did yes yeah while you were holding a cup of tea so you've definitely (laughs) entered grandma mode and i think that's something else actually that people need to be more comfortable being themselves like there's a strong idea of a right way and a wrong way i mean this article kind of indicates it indirectly a right way and a wrong way to be a gay man to be a lesbian to be a trans person and that's that's nonsense like well i have i have an anecdote yesterday we were coming out of a mystic market it wasn't too particularly mystical uh, it the fog wasn't machine market. Was broken that yeah, day. the fog machine was down. Yeah. Um, but on the way, I was like, I want to go to the kitchen store, and yeah. it was this mat. They had a whole wall of bitters. Yes. And I was, I was obsessed. And uh, Jake's friend, who was with us, who is, I think, in her late teens, early twenties, mm. thought I was being, thought it was a joke. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I really would like to go and have a look at the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kitchen store and, you know, evaluate the baking items and, mm. and, you know, look at hot sauces. Yeah, yeah. She didn't, she didn't believe that I was actually, that that would bring me joy. Yeah, a lot of people spend their 30s, like, uh, a lot of people spend their 20s figuring out who they are and then they f- spend their 30s figuring out who they really are. Mm-hmm. Actually. <laughs> Beyond yeah. the, the gaze of their peers and, and, you know, what am I willing to live with when I'm at home alone and there's nobody else watching me? Who am I... Just the voices. Yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> or the dogs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hopefully we've inspired folks listening to uh, go to kitchen stores. I think that was the key takeaway from from that. Oh, oh I... no. Be yourself. That was it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All right. We'll yeah. be playing out with a brand new track from uh, Arcana. This is Brighter uh, from uh, Duskwain um, off the album Arcana. Sorry. Brighter by Duskwain off the album Arcana. Earlier, I think we had something... Uh, off of um, Telehorn's band. All right, this is Brighter. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And we're listening. You're the last petal on the fireweed, a jar full of honey. You wake me from the deepest sleep to tell me it'll be okay. Care what happens to me and let me speak my pain and wipe my tears away. People come, people go. When you're near, I always know. Cause the sun shines a little brighter. As above.
Cause the sun shines a little bright. 